Welcome to Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. Here's your host, Ben Wilson. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. I'm your host, Ben Wilson, along with my sidekick, Rodney, who's by my side taking a nap. We got a big treat for you today because I'm here with my good friend Ronnie G of the Definitely Miami TV show to talk about Miami and why it's such a happening place. Ronnie, thanks so much for coming on the show. I'm excited to have you. Ben, let me tell you, I was getting a little bit of a complex because I saw you doing all these pictures and all these posts with people you were doing on the podcast. My phone wasn't ringing. I wasn't getting any text messages. So when I got that phone call, I dropped everything I was doing, ran to the phone, and picked it up and said, Ben, I know you're calling. I want to be on the podcast. Well, hey, you got to have you on the podcast. You're such a character and such a man about town in Miami. And I can't really do a show about Miami unless I have Ronnie G because you're just a wealth of knowledge. Plus, we've been friends for a long time. I know you're reliable and a whole lot of fun. So I know that my guests are definitely going to love you. So tell me about this Definitely Miami TV show. Well, I tell people all the time that, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I did about 20 years in banking. That's my original career. And to be honest with you, I started doing Facebook Live videos from all of these different locations because I have a ton of friends from up north, Boston, New York, New Jersey, D.C. You're not from Kentucky? (laughs) No, man. I'm all about St. John's. St. John's, man. Big East basketball. I ain't about that ACC life. (laughs) We're SEC, man. (laughs) Whatever. Same thing. No, so I would always text people a list of places to go out because they would call me and say, hey, I'm coming down. I need to know, you know, come down with my wife, come down with my girlfriend, come down to a guy's trip. Where should we go to eat? Where should we go out? So I started sending people lists of places to go. And then Facebook Live came out, and I started just, whenever I was at one of these locations, I would do a Facebook Live, and I would say, remember I told you to come here, this is a great place because they have great steaks, or they have great burgers, or almost edible pizza, you know, it's very tough to get pizza here. And then from doing the Facebook Live videos, somebody saw me doing the Facebook Live videos, and they said, hey, why don't you come and host this fashion show, I want you to come and host, put a mic in your hand, and just do interviews on the red carpet with people. Now, I was thinking I was just going to go do interviews on the red carpet with a bunch of, you know, people that were waiting to get in or a bunch of people that were there watching the show. When I got there, they gave me the microphone, pointed to a camera guy, and they said, okay, you're going in the back where the models are getting dressed, and you're going to do interviews with the models. I said, hold on, let me get a tequila. So I went back with a tequila in one hand, the microphone in the other, and the camera guy, and I just started interviewing models. And I didn't know what I was even saying to them. I was just trying not to stare too much, just trying to be a gentleman. I thought it was horrible. I, I handed back in the microphone when we got done. I left. I went home. I said, well, that's the end of my career being on TV, right? I'll just stick to Facebook Live videos. And a couple of days later, they sent me the copy of it for the Beach Channel. And I looked at it and I said, holy cow. Not to sound conceited, but I was like, I'm great at this. This is amazing. Like, I couldn't believe it. So that's how it all started. And then it just snowballed into doing more and more segments, which turned into my own show, which then has turned into NBC6 here locally with my own show. And I'm producing it and hosting it and funding most of it, which is always a challenge. And uh, we literally just got picked up for a pilot we did for a home improvement show 
Um, it's going to be on the Chip and Joanna Gaines network on um, the Magnolia network. It's called Better by the Beach. So that's another project I'm working on. In addition to that, I still always do mortgages and never get rid of my license. I'll always try to help people get into houses and or refinance and save some money. So that's my story. Yeah, and see, we got a connection in real estate too, me being a real estate lawyer. Mm-hmm. And I know the buyers, you finance their purchases. Well, you know, the thing about real estate is that it's not quite as fun as going backstage with a bunch of models in bikinis or the bunch of models changing into bikinis and doing an interview with you at the same time. So, you know, it is what it is. We take it one day at a time. Yeah. Well, you know, it's pretty awesome that you're uh, doing this show now and it's on NBC and the, the Gaines Network. I mean, that is a huge thing. So tell me, when is your show going to air and how can people check it out? So uh, you can always go to Vibes and Views Miami on Instagram to find me. Uh, the website is definitely miami.tv and it's scheduled to air after college football season stops. So usually uh, around Thanksgiving time, it'll be on during prime time, Saturday nights at 7 p.m. And then the other one that's going to be on the Magnolia Network that's better by the beach, that's still under development. We only shot a pilot for that and we shot it about a year and a half ago. It's funny because I was watching the video of it, of the pilot. And I said, wow, I was a lot skinnier than I was in. I, you know, I was in really good shape when we shot that pilot. I, I need to get back in shape for when we start filming again in about a month. So we're actually looking for some partners, some real estate developers to come in and partner on it, to be featured on it. So we'll talk more about that. And But hey, for right now, I just really want to talk to you about some of the places that I know here in Miami and where are good places to eat and where are some good places to go out at night because that's always the best, you know? You know, I've lived in Miami since uh, 2003 and it has grown tremendously since then. And recently in the past five years, you've got the design districts added a lot of stuff. Wynwood's added a lot of stuff. Of course, Brickell's been a hot spot. So since we're in Brickell right now, what are some hot spots for the Brickellites to check out? Well, Brickell is tough because Brickell... There's always something new opening up in Brickell. So right when you get used to going someplace, there's someplace new. I really, really like the Casa Tua Cucina over in Brickell City Center. Mm -hmm. I like that because you can go in there and if you want to get pizza, you can get pizza. You want to get rotisserie chicken, you know, gourmet, real gourmet rotisserie chicken, you can get that. If you want to get ravioli, you can get any type of ravioli you want. It's, It's a food bazaar. So you can go there and get anything that you want made exactly how you like it. And then you could sit down and have a, a really good meal for a reasonable price. You know, for 20 or $30, you can have a, a gourmet meal. So that's one of my favorite places. Of course, right down the block, I like there's a place called Friends. I don't know if you, it's not the TV show, right? Although we'll, I think we should talk about TV too, because you and I are Afrikanos for Friends and Seinfeld. We should talk about that a little bit later on. Oh, uh, we're, we're definitely going to get to that. <laughs> I can't wait. But uh, yeah, there's a place right over here in Brickell on 6 called Friends. Great place to go get some breakfast or some lunch. Reasonable, you know, $10 breakfast, $15 lunch, which is pretty reasonably priced. And then, of course, you know, you've got North Italia is a pretty good spot. And then uh, Bares, which is an Argentinian, really go there, get a nice body gelats. So those are a couple of places I'll go check out here in Brickell to eat and recommend to people. Yeah, I always like um, the P.F. Chang's. I mean, just kind of steady. I mean, I don't go there very often, but I remember there were some days I'd come home late from the law office and I'd be like starving. I didn't have anything cooked. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to call P.F. Chang's. I'm going to go over to Mary Brickle Village and check it out. But uh, you know, Ben, Mar- ben I got a problem with you on that because I'm always looking for people to go out to eat with that are, you know, normal. <laughs> 
And my phone never rings. I don't know. I'm really starting to get a complex here that you never call me to go out and get something to eat. And call, I'm the last person you call for the podcast. It's okay. We're still friends. Well, the thing about going out to the dinner, it'd be like at 1030 or something. So <laughs> I was like, that really wasn't anything normal. Yeah. Yeah. No, no there's nothing normal in my life. You know what? That is a very true statement. And that is why you're such a great person. <laughs> Because it's always you know this great vibe and obviously the great view that you bring with your TV show and the enthusiasm. It's just you know great TV. Mm-hmm. In Brickle, they have added Brickle City Center about two or three years ago. It's a big thing. You've got Tacology in there, a bunch of other new restaurants. What has that done for the Brickle area to make it just a even more hip place to go out? Well, I think what you've seen is you know like you said, Brickle City Center just opened up in the past couple of years. So the Brickle that I knew when I first moved down here seven years ago is a lot different from the Brickle that it is right now. In the past three or four years, since Brickle City Center has opened, we've had a couple of other buildings that were built in the last cycle and a new wave of people that are moving in here. You know, when you combine that with the fact that we've got the tax environment has changed and it's just a better situation to live down in a place like Miami than it is to live in New York or D.C. or, or Chicago or Boston or even L.A., you know, So we see a new wave of people that have relocated down here or a new wave of college graduates. And when they come out, they don't want to really live in South Beach. They want to live in Brickell now. So we've seen places are have a a more of a vibe. It's more crowded, more energy as you walk through Brickell. Used to be Brickell at night was dead. You know, you Mm -hmm. walk through as a ghost town. You know, Wednesday nights, you know, we can go to the lines out the door to go to Cantina Levante to go get tacos, tacos and tequila. You know, it's not even Tuesday and and the lines out the door. There's so many taco places that have opened up in Miami. I mean, you've got, like you said, Cantina Levente. I mean, you've got several over in Midtown. I think yeah. it's, gosh, what's the one in Midtown? Coyo Taco. Yeah. you got Bodega down in South Beach. Uh-huh. I think there's another one that just opened a little farther west in Little Havana. Well, if you really want real, real tacos and you want to get real good Mexican food, there's this little, I don't even want to call it a hole-in-the-wall place. I guess it would be considered a hole-in-the-wall place because it's small. But it's on Washington in South Beach. It's called Alma Mexicana. Mm -hmm. Now, this place is owned by a couple of people that are from Mexico. I've become very friendly with them. And the tacos, I mean, it's just real. Every other place is serving Taco Bell as far as I'm concerned. There, you're getting authentic Mexican food, burritos, tacos, enchiladas, everything. And it's absolutely delicious. Marachi band? Yeah. If they don't have a a band, they got music playing. So we're good. Yeah, so Miami's kind of being this taco central. I mean, everything's taco here, taco there. And and these are not, like you said, they're not just the Taco Bell thing. It's a whole, like, event. So they bring in the the bands and the obviously the bar scene, and yeah. it, it's an event. So a lot going on in Brickell, as always. One of the hot new areas, though, is the Midtown area. So tell me about Midtown and also Wynwood. All right, so Wynwood is, man, I, I tell you. They just got to walk around with portable showers and some deodorant in Wynwood because you get a lot of these hipsters or wannabe hipsters. And you try to go get a good cup of coffee. And meanwhile, the guy or the gal next to you hasn't showered in a couple of days. So Wynwood I like because of the art scene. And I've gotten really much into art. In fact, I just got nominated for an Emmy, believe it or not, for an art documentary that I filmed last year. It was a complete surprise to me. Man, you're like a, a man of all trades here. I mean, I didn't realize I've got an Emmy guest oh, yeah. here. I know. It, yeah. It's amazing. Uh, Emmy you're, you're living the dream, man. That's it. You're living the dream in more ways than one. So Wynwood's got a couple of good places to go get some food. Um, I kind of like Wynwood Yard where they have all the food trucks. To me, if you're going to go to Wynwood, got to really – to get in like the real artist – you know, hipster vibe. You got to eat from the food trucks. Yeah. Midtown's got, you know, Tap 42 is a great spot. 
Eat Greek Miami is another awesome spot. And then in the design district, there's a couple of really good restaurants. The restaurants are a little bit pricier in the design district, but the, de- the design district has just all of these amazing you know, stores and super high-end stores. You feel like you're in Beverly Hills in the, in the middle of the design district. And what's crazy is the design district 10 years ago, you didn't want to walk. Once the sun went down, you did not want to walk in the design district. Mm-hmm. And now it's been regentrified and it's absolutely amazing. It's a great place to go and either go out on a date or just go out, you know, and just go grab a bite to eat, you know, or go grab a drink or whatever. It's just, or just go walk and see mm-hmm. people. People watch. What's your take on uh, Swan and Barbevy? Because I know that's a hot place there. All right. So Swan, I like Swan because of the ambiance, right? The food is okay. And I'm just talking honest, you know? Mm-hmm. I think Swan is, it's a must-see place. If you're visiting Miami, it's a place that you have to go to, but it's not a place that you're going to be wowed by the food. You're going to be wowed by the ambiance and the energy and the views and the, the vibe, but the food is okay, you know? Yeah. Just to be, speak honestly. Well, you know, you kind of get that with a, a lot of Miami restaurants, really. I mean, since I've been here, I'm like, well, you know, I go to this restaurant, it's a hot place, and the food's like, well, it's kind of okay, I'll come back home, I'll fix something else, but it's a lot of the ambiance. So mm-hmm. another hot restaurant in um, the Woodwood area is the Astra. Astra. Yeah, so Astra's another great spot. Astra and, and uh, Number 3 Social, mm-hmm. the only two rooftops in the Woodwood area, great music, Really good drinks. We get like this drink whenever I go to local uh, to number three. We get this drink. I forget what it's called, but it has like a black spicy salt on the rim. And it's made with tequila and some like citrus juice drinks. Man, you get one or two of those. Norman's Revenge. That's what it's called. Mm -hmm. You get one or two of those and you're done. Get a couple of bites to eat and it's a night, you know. And and Astra's got... A really good, it's the newer rooftop. It's got a, a good vibe and a really good menu. Yeah, and the thing about those two places, too, is even if you're not going to eat, it's just good to go and listen to the DJs, chill out. You can go with a group of friends. Yeah. It's not too far from my place over in uh, the Wynwood area. So they're pretty cool, and it's good to see that kind of stuff going into Wynwood because, like you said before, it was kind of a, a rougher place, but more for the artists and things and I just looked at some of the real estate deals that are going down there and it's serious money and they're putting in a lot of apartments and new hotels now the bad thing about it it gets into the situation where it pushes out a lot of the artists who they're just not going to be able to afford that and I know they're going up into like the little river area little Haiti things like that but you know, as far as the cool stuff to do, they're adding more and more there. I did a segment on my show. It's funny you, you mentioned Little Haiti. I did a segment on my show for this place called the Art Laundromat. And what it is, it's in Little Haiti. It's on 54th and Northeast 2nd or, or 2nd. And what it is, is it's a laundromat that they converted into art studios. So artists rent out this, you know, like a little tiny room about the size of a hotel room. And it's all different types of artists. They have clothing designers, they have graphic artists, they have performance artists, and they all just have like these little tiny studios that they do the art in. And they have once a month they do events at this place. And that's what I really see. You know, what you bring up is a valid point because as the property values go up, the proverbial starving artist gets pushed out. And that's really what creates the vibe and creates the energy. So now we're, we're starting to see that migration from the Wynwood Design District area up about 20, 30 blocks north into Little Haiti and Little River. And that's where they're really setting up shop and cheap rents. And they're really, they're gentrifying it in a good way because, you know, they're bringing in crowds and people that have money, affluent people are going there to see the art. 
and they're just really, you know, making an impact on it. So I, I like to see that happen in different neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And they have some really good food spots in Little Haiti, too. Yeah, you know that 54th Street area? I mean, there, I think Anderson Bar is near there. I haven't been there, but I've heard a lot of good things about it. But eventually, this area gets just so priced out that your mom-and-pop restaurants and the ones that are probably the best restaurants, they can't afford that rent. And so they got to go somewhere that they can afford. Yeah. So, all right. Now, most of the people think of South Beach when they come to Miami. So what are some South Beach hot spots? So, listen, I got to say, one of my guilty pleasures in South Beach, as much as Ocean Drive has been overrun with tourists and what they, they pack eight people into a car and they drive down from, you know, the 10 hours away. So kind of like Atlanta to the Carolinas to like, you know, Louisiana, maybe Kentucky. I don't know, but Tennessee first. They drive down and then they just pack Ocean Drive, and they they make it kind of unbearable for the real people that want to enjoy Ocean Drive. But we go down to South the Fifth more if we want to enjoy that mm-hmm. that vibe. But one of my guilty pleasures, and a place I tell everybody that comes here to visit Miami that you gotta go, you gotta go to Mangos. They have a band playing all times of the day, from noon all the way up until three four o'clock in the morning. They have a band playing, DJ playing. They have dancers, the, the, the women and men that work there also dance there and they get up and they do routines. They have like Michael Jackson impersonators that put on a whole Michael Jackson show. They've got two separate clubs on the top floor that they aren't really clubs. They're just separate rooms that play different music. And it's just it's a great experience to go in. And if you want to see the, you know, proverbial Miami, you want to see some some Latin ladies shaking what they got and some men that look like Rico Suave, you know, doing their thing up on top of the bar. That's and get a couple of margaritas with salted rims. That's where you got to go. You know, any time of the day from from noon up until three, four o'clock in the morning. You got to go there. That's that's a definite spot in South Beach to go see. I told about Alma Mexicana. If you're hungry, you got to go see Alma Mexicana. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's weird because South Beach has like these little tiny neighborhoods. So you've got South of Fifth. That has a lot of upscale restaurants, you know, Prime 112, Prime Italian, Prime Fish, Smith & Walensky. Mm. Smith & Walensky, you and I like to hang out at the Standard, right? But Mm. Smith & Walensky, to go there and just get a glass of wine, it's right on Government Cut, right at the tip of South Beach. You know, you sit there, you watch the cruise ships come in and out, you watch the luxury boats come in and out. You can see the city, you know, from there. You can watch the sunset over the city, have a glass of wine. If you're bringing a girl on a date, it's a great place for a first date because you you can go there, spend fifty or sixty dollars on just a couple of glasses of wine, grab her hand, go for a walk along the pier, take it from Ronnie G. Look at me on a scale of one to ten, I'm a six. I only date tens, you know. And you know why I date tens? Because I take them for the full Ronnie G experience. Oh my gosh! So I knew I'd love having you on this show. So, of course, South of Fifth, you know, you got a lot of um, institutional restaurants, too, that have been there for a long time. You got um, Joe's Stone Crab. Ooh, man, Joe, Joe's is a place that you ha- if you're here, you have to go to Joe's because it's Joe's. It's been here since 1920-whatever. Started with just a couple of a Jewish family that just started a, a place to make sandwiches to give to the men that were working on ships and working on building, you know, what became South Beach. And then it's just it's evolved into this icon of Miami. Not even South Beach. It's an icon in Miami. And you've got Monty's. Mm-hmm. Great place to go get a couple of beers, yeah. you know, get some clams and some mussels or whatever. And then you got Texas de Brazil, Fago de Chao. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure you know a bunch of other places in the south of Fifth Area. 
Yeah, no, it's, um, I mean, they got a bunch of nice restaurants over there. And, you know, a lot of people, they like living there because they can live there. They got parks nearby, like Smith and Walensky, it's right next to a really nice park. And so you can go there. And I mean, I could even have lunch with Rodney outside. So yeah. it was pretty cool. And of course, once you get into South Beach, you've got um, a lot of your hotels that are good for like hanging out in the day. You got your one hotel, you got the Standard, which we love the Standard. So why is the Standard such a cool place? Well, here's what I think about the Standard. It is, first of all, it's very quirky. So most of the hotels that you have in Miami, they look pristine. You walk in, they've got, you know, 40-foot ceilings, amazing chandeliers hanging down, you know, music playing. You know, the Standard is like a converted, you know, Melrose Place type of hotel that they converted and they made into all these quirky hotel rooms. They have the spa. It's very private. It has just this very zen vibe when you go in there. And then you go, you know, you walk all the way into the back. It's about a two, three hundred foot walk. And you've got the Lido deck, which is opens up onto the bay. You can watch the sunset. You can see this the city and the drinks. They have a really good happy hour. I think where they got like $4 beers and $5 Proseccos or something like that. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I just give them my credit card and they give me a bill for $150. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a service charge. Yeah, their hamburgers are like 20 bucks a piece. And hey, Rodney's got to eat. You can't go cheap when you're trying to feed Rodney some some food. Let me tell you, when I go there with Rodney, it's like walking in with Chris Hemsworth. (laughs) I mean, he first off, he gets all this attention from everybody. Mm -hmm. I told him he should get like a job there because he plops down on the floor and he just wants to just chill out. Mm -hmm. But um, they've got a membership club where you can be a member. You pay like, I think, 200 bucks or 250 a month but you can go as much as you want to the the pool and the spa which is always cool for me as a lawyer needing to chill out and it's a good place to meet a lot of locals yeah no it's a good place to network you know there's a lot of people there that are you know in our business field so you have a lot of realtors that go there you have a lot of accountants a lot of attorneys right and a lot of people like myself who are just they're involved in everything so it's a great place to meet and to network with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's face it, it's kind of in that middle area where it's still part of South Beach, but it's close enough to downtown and close enough to Midtown mm-hmm. where you can start there, have like a quick meal, network with some people, and then, maybe, you know, just jump across the bridge and you're in downtown or you're in Brickell or you're in Midtown within 10 minutes. Yeah. So that's the other great thing about it. It's so close to everything. Yeah, no, I've been a member there for a long time, so I highly recommend if you come to Miami, definitely go to the Standard, even if you're not staying there as a hotel guest, which is great. You know, just go over the day, have some lunch. You can take yoga classes there. They have a really good spa and hammam, and uh, you can do paddleboarding there. It's just, it's a really chill, laid-back atmosphere, so I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, and then complete opposite. I mean, like, I'm going to switch gears on you because we talk about the obvious, South Beach, Midtown, Brickell. What about Cayocho and Little Havana? See, I got to be careful there because, I mean, coming from Kentucky and being the white gringo, I know a little bit of Spanish to say, hola, como estas, mi amo Benjamin Wilson, and that's about it, and I don't understand what else is going on, but I do know, like, Ball and Chain is a big hit there mm-hmm. and some other places, so tell me about that area. So, listen, I think that if any investors are looking to invest in real estate, that's the area to start investing in now, or maybe you should have started investing a year or two ago. It's wild because you have some really high-end restaurants and then you still have the old hole in the walls. And there's nothing better than going there. You know, you can go there any time of the day, not at night, but you can go to Domino Park and you see these old Cuban guys, you know, playing dominoes, old school, old school, like authentic, you know, like if somebody's filming a movie and they want to make it, 
you know, make it look like we're in, in Cuba, they just go to Domino Park and they set up a camera there and they start filming, get a bunch of B-roll. But there'll be old guys there in the Guayaveras, you know, with the Panama Jack hats, with a, a cigar hanging out of their mouth. And then there'll be, you know, young people, teenagers, you know, 20-somethings, they're playing dominoes with them. And it's just a throwback to the original, what it was really like in Miami 30, 40 years ago. You know, I got a fun story. I actually played in a domino tournament at Domino Park. When I first moved to Miami, I was at the Gunster Yokely Law Firm, and our office manager, she was of Cuban descent. Her name was Mickey Canton, and her husband was um, in city government, and that was his region. So we participated in the the Little Havana uh, Domino Tournament. And so I got paired up with a bunch of older Cuban guys, and my team won. And, like, all the older Cuban guys were, like, they were mad because I was winning. They're like, gringo, gringo, gringo. And I got a trophy that they presented to me, and it said, best domino player from Kentucky. (laughs) That's quite an honor. It was. I still have that trophy. It's probably the best trophy you've ever gotten. No, it's cool to see that that area is growing as well, and it's one of those things where as Brickle has built out, mm-hmm. you know, you got to continue the development, and you know, hopefully uh, they'll keep the flavor going and keep the good places to go that aren't like breaking the bank for people's wallets yeah. because that's something that can happen very easily in Miami. So we talked about cool restaurants and things to go. What are some other th- cool things about Miami you want to tell people about? Well, you know, you touched on it before with the paddle boarding at the Standard. There are a bunch of places all throughout Miami that you can rent paddle boards, kayaks. One of the coolest things that I tell people to do is to go and rent out a kayak, whether it's a one-person or a two-person kayak, and just go kayaking in Biscayne Bay. There's a couple of small islands that you can kayak to, and a lot of times, even if you time it just right, like right now it's a full moon. So they'll have the full moon drum circle, and and they do it on these islands. So you can kayak out to the island, and then they have a bonfire going at night, and they're they're doing the full moon drum circle. That's one of the coolest things. Or just jump in a kayak and kayak around the islands with you know we have these twenty to forty million dollar homes, mm-hmm. and just look at these homes from a different perspective. Because we all seen the pictures of them online, or we seen them in our favorite TV shows or movies. But when you kayak to, and then you get right up close to them, and you could actually see what they're barbecuing, you know, and see the people, you know, swimming in their pools and or, or working on their boats or whatever, you really can get that first person account being up close and personal and seeing these how these people in these forty million dollar homes really live. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So Miami also has a lot of uh, cool sports things to do. And so of course we're gonna talk basketball here because we're basketball kind of guys. But what's it like going to a heat game here? So I've been to a couple of Heat games. The Heat games here, it's more like a fashion show. It's more like a like a social activity, and they even have a club inside of the you know the the, the arena. And then oh yeah, there's also a basketball game going. There's a bunch of guys running around in shorts and tank tops playing basketball. If you did, if you didn't realize it, but coming from New York, every time I go back to New York, I go to either the Jets games or I go to the Mets games. I've, I've gone to more Mets games this past year than I probably have in the past you know, seven years that I've been living in Miami. I've only gone to two Marlins games here, so the Marlins aren't really a big draw. I've gone to a couple of Dolphins games and a couple of Miami Hurricanes games, mm-hmm. but sports, there's so much else to do that going to go to a sports game here, it's funny because at Marlins Stadium, you got the Clevelander in left field. So anytime I've gone to a Marlins game, two times I've gone to a Marlins game, I've ended up in the Clevelander, you know? I've gone to the uh, couple of Dolphins games and a couple of Hurricanes games, and they have Liv inside of the Hard Rock Stadium, and I've ended up inside of Liv, and it's a nightclub, you know? It's a, it's a good time. 
And then at the Heat Arena, I've I've actually gone because I like basketball and it's and it's cool to actually watch the game. Usually I get really good seats, so I'm up close. So I've watched in stayed and watched the game, and then afterwards gone into the club and enjoyed that. But sports to me, you know, one of the things that I've really gotten involved with here is doing a lot of outdoor workout or boot camp workouts. And it's amazing because at these outdoor boot camp workouts, there's a lot of NFL guys and NBA guys that come to these workouts just because they want to get working. And they're just like us. They just want to go out and get a workout in. So they'll go join up and show up at South Point Park or Margaret Pace Park or Merrick Park down in Coral Gables. And they just show up and get their workout in and say hello to people. And then, boom, they bounce out and they take off. So it's, it's really cool. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with sports in Miami. I mean, to me, the Heat, they're my favorite team because, I mean, I'm a basketball guy, but they've always put a good product on the field. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very important because in Miami, you've got so many other things that you can do with your time. And if you're going to go watch a team that's just not a winning team and they don't have the, the energy, people aren't going to go. Like the Marlins, for example. I, I love baseball. I'm a St. Louis Cardinal fan. I generally try to go whenever they're in town, but... If it's not a big draw, I mean, you just don't have the atmosphere there. And they've had some good teams, and they've, you know, let them go and rebuild. And I think the Miami fans are kind of fed up with it. And they're like, look, you know, we've got other things to do. And maybe Derek Jeter's group can turn it around. I know they have some good prospects, and it's going to take a few years to turn it around. We'll see what happens. But I just think that stadium's in such a bad location. I mean, I think they want to have stuff near the heat arena and more activities uh, and then with the Dolphins, of course, we're off to a bad start there. So we'll see what happens. But uh, we will hope for the best when it comes to sports. Yeah, listen, and, you know, at the end of the day, I'm more of a college sports fan any- anyway. There's something about college players that are playing because they're getting an education. So they're playing. And, and, you know, I mean, you're, I know you're a huge Kentucky fan. But, you know, they're they're playing because – they're playing for their school. They're not getting paid. They're getting a free education. But they're also playing because they're kind of trying out for the professional leagues. Mm-hmm. So to me, I like watching college sports more so than watching the professional sports. Yeah. Of course, we got Canes football here from uh, University of Miami. That's got a big following. I, I like it, though, when they had the Orange Bowl. I, w- I moved here when they had the Orange Bowl. And I remember when I moved here, it was that you know you could get the student tickets and it'd be like 50 bucks for a semester, which I thought was great. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, it would be packed in there. You could feel the stadium shake. And then when they moved it to the Dolphin Stadium, it's farther from campus. I mean, they can still get this, a similar vibe, but it's just not the same. But, hey, you know what? They're trying to do the best. We have a new coach in with Coach Diaz. And I know they had a rough start in the first game, but they're trying to get back on track. And they have the turnover chain that's getting people excited. So hopefully UM will have a good football year because that's really important to the locals here. Yeah. You know, the problem with that, listen, I'm a huge Miami Hurricane fan. Even coming from New York, Vinny Testaverde uh, is from my hometown, right? So Vinny T, he was part of the reason why I ended up down here in Miami 30 years later, Mm. because I fell in love with Miami at that time. When he was playing for the University of Miami in the mid-80s, you had Miami Vice out, you had Gloria Stefan, right? Scarface had come out, I think, in 83. So it was just this, you know, Miami explosion in the the mid to late 80s. And I always loved Miami at that point. And then there was a couple of TV shows that were on about Miami. And I would always come here on vacation. At the end of the day, I think the problem with the Miami Hurricanes is not necessarily the Miami Hurricanes. I think Florida Atlantic. I think Florida International. Was it uh, South Florida and UCF? I think the fact that those programs have risen up to the Division One level. And what they've done is they're taking 
that athlete that would have went to the University of Miami and played football for the Canes, and they probably would have like been a backup on the Canes and maybe played their senior year. They're recruiting that athlete from South Florida and tell them, come to our school, you're going to start right away. Mm. So the kids are looking at it. And those kids, those programs, those four programs, they're putting players into the pros. So, you know what? Miami still is the marquee program in, in the state of Florida. I don't care what UF says. I don't care what you know FSU says. Miami's still the marquee program. We still put the most amount of professionals into the NFL. Mm. But, you, you know, these kids that are coming out, they're going to the smaller schools, to FIU, FAU, and USF, and UCF. Because they know that they have a better shot at starting quicker and getting more playing time and auditioning more for the NFL. So I think that's the problem is that Miami's losing those backups that would come in and be really good backups and really good practice players and then turn into good football players by the time they were in their final year. They're losing them so they don't have the same depth. And, mm-hmm. and that's why I think that University of Miami's really struggled over the past 10 years in addition to making some questionable decisions with their head coaches. Yeah. So transitioning into um, talking about tourism in Miami, because a lot of people think of Miami as a great place to go on vacation. So what are some of the great hotels that people should consider staying in? Well, we already mentioned the standard, mm-hmm. right? The Fountain Blue, uh, the Eden Rock. Down here, you know, the W in, in Brickle, I think, is a is a really good hotel. Brickle City Center's got a hotel in it. It's a really good hotel. Yeah, East Hotel. Yeah, yep, yep. Down south of 5th in, in South Beach, Uh, There's a couple of good hotels right there on the water and a couple of really good boutique hotels right there. You know, when everybody thinks of hotels in Miami, I think the most famous is the Fountain Blue, Mm -hmm. right? And that's where, you know, the Rat Pack, Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and uh, Tony Bennett and and all of them and and the like. That's what they made it famous in the 50s and the 60s. But, you know, and it still is, you know, beautiful. But at the end of the day, the... The boutique hotels, I think, have a lot more to offer and more bang for your buck because they're less than half the price of the Fountain Blue or some of the more pricey hotels. And they're right in the middle of all the action. You know, it's an easy Uber ride to get around everywhere. You know, Key Biscayne has got the Ritz mm-hmm. in Key Biscayne. If you're coming from out of town and you just want to, you know, unplug and just sit on the beach, mm-hmm. I really don't suggest hotels in Miami Beach. I suggest the Ritz in Key Biscayne because there you feel like you're in another world. You, know, you go there, you walk out of the hotel into a private beach, a true private beach, right? And it's got a, you know, a great hotel in it, great bars in it, and you know five stars. So if you want to unplug and come to Miami, you go there. If you want to be in the middle of all the action, stay to, you know, get really good bang for your buck. Stay at one of the boutique hotels in South Beach. If you want to get the Miami experience, right, go stay at the Fountain Blue. If you want to be kind of in a business district, you know, you can stay at the W. Um, you can stay at the Epic Hotel right around the corner from the W. There's even a couple of really cool hotels like in the Midtown area and in the, the Winwood area that have popped up. And, of course, let's not forget Airbnb. Right. You know, a really cool boutique hotel in Miami Beach that I've always liked is the Betsy Hotel. Oh, yeah. They just redid that. And it's right on the beach or right across from the beach. You've got um, the Hotel Victor. You've got uh, the Nautilus, which was redone. Yeah. Uh, of course, you've got all the SLS brands. And I guess I would say is if somebody is more college age and they want the pool party scene and stuff like that, they may want to consider like the SLS Hotel, the Fountain Blue, stuff like that. It's, if it's my parents, they may want to go to Key Biscayne or, mm-hmm. or Brickell. What about like a Coconut Grove? It's going through a big renaissance right now. Talk about a little bit what's going on there. Yeah, so what people don't realize, first of all, this is something I have to say because I know that we're going to have people from all over the country listening to the podcast, probably all over the world, 
because you're just a famous guy, you know, Ben? It's because of Rodney. <laughs> Rodney's really can't keep up. I mean, he's passed out underneath the, the desk right now. People from all over the world think that all of South Florida is Miami. You know, they call Boca Miami. They call West Palm Beach Miami, right? It's not until you come down here that you realize that Miami is really just Miami, and then you have Fort Lauderdale and, and everything else. But what most people don't realize is back in the 80s, Coconut Grove was the happening spot. It wasn't South Beach. South Beach was well, was a ghetto for the, for all you know intents and purposes. Or it was really a, a bunch of retirement homes where a lot of Northeasterners came down here to kind of retire and live out the glory years. It was God's waiting room. But Coconut Grove in the in the 70s and the 80s and the early 90s, Coconut Grove was where everybody you know in Miami went to go dance, to go to clubs, to go party. All the art was centered there. They had the Coconut Grove Playhouse. And now, at the end of the 90s and through the 2000s, South Beach stole all of that shine, you know? And now Coconut Grove is going through a real renaissance. It's, it's really regenerating itself. There's been a lot of new buildings built. A lot of the buildings have been refurbished to bring them up to date because they were built in the 70s and the mm-hmm. 80s. So now they've gone and they've, they've updated them all and they just look phenomenal. And then they've developed a couple of really high-end residences that really rival the residences that are being built on the water and here in Brickell. And, you know, you have, it's more of a community there in Coconut Grove. So you have restaurants where you're not going to see a lot of tourists. You're going to see people that you work with or people that are in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Really high-end restaurants, great bars. It's walkable. They just redid all of Coco Walk. So, you know, Coconut Grove is a place that most people don't put on their checklist of places to visit when they come to Miami, but it's got to be on the checklist. It's just, it's a hidden gem. Yeah, and um, it's a big boating area, and it's a very good brunch area, too. I know Green Street Cafe is very well-known for their brunches. So I'm glad to see that they're turning that around a little bit, because when I moved here, it was kind of cool, but it was kind of on the way down a little bit, and it's just good to see it uh, coming back. And, of course, we got Coral Gables, where University of Miami is. They have a good young professional scene. And we could go on and on. There are so many good little pockets in Miami. You've got Doral now that um, we is— were at, So I was at Doral just the other night. So you know I do stand-up comedy as well, right? Yeah, that's what you're doing on this episode, right? <laughs> no, this is just me just being me. <laughs> um, I don't have any material prepared for this one. So I do stand-up comedy at the Bay Club, which is in it's, – it's right by the Standard in uh, in the Purdy area, the Sunset Harbor area in, in Miami Beach. But just the other night, the Gringo Latino Comedy Club, right, that's what we call our, our group, um, we put on an event at the uh, Improv in Doral. Mm-hmm. And we had a bunch of great comedians. Comedians that just – they travel nationally – uh, it was a great show. And when we pulled into Doral City Center, we were just blown away at all the activity there. You felt like you were in Coconut Grove or in Brickell. Just you were 20 minutes away on the other, you know, out west, in the still in Miami-Dade County. And it, it just, you had great restaurants. Every place had a live band playing in it. Every single bar or restaurant had a live band playing in it. You know, you had bowling alleys, you had movie theaters, you had boutiques, everything right there in, you know, in the middle of Doral. The way that they built it, they built the Doral City Center and then they built all these little communities connected to Doral City Center with prices from like a million and a half for houses down to three, four $400,000 for, for condos or for small homes. Mm-hmm. So they really, really planned that out well and they're, they're pulling a lot of people away from the standard areas, the Coral Gables, the South Miami, the Pinecrest, the Upper East Side area, the Biscayne area. 
They're pulling people from there out there because they work out there and they see that one of the first things they did is they started building schools in that area to attract families to go out and buy homes in that area. And then, of course, they have this great Doral City Center. It's a different world out there, but it's phenomenal. Yeah, and the thing with Doral as well is you used to think of it for the golf tournaments that would be out there. But now it's like they realize we got a whole lot of people who live here who want to do social things, go out to eat, and they don't want to deal with the traffic going to South Beach or the traffic going to Midtown. And so I'm really glad that it's doing well. I know that improv, it's been a really nice addition. I went to go see Jeremy Piven there from Entourage, and he was fantastic. I know they had, obviously, you and your group out there. They had uh, Sean Wayans last night. They've had... Gosh, uh, Arsenio Hall. I mean, a lot of good acts. So that I think that's a good thing. So since we're going to talk comedy, remember back in the day when we had Comedy Central's uh, South Beach Comedy Festival? Yeah, of course. See, they don't do it anymore, but that was such a great thing because I would go all the time and I would see, like, I saw Dave Chappelle there. I saw uh, Louis Black. I saw David Spade. I mean, they all the, the top comedians would come. So tell me about this comedy night at Bay Club because I've heard it's really taken off and it's Monday nights, I think, right? Yeah. So there's a couple of really cool things. It's the Gringo Latino Comedy Crew, right? So it's run by Will Lopez and Al Maurizio. Al Maurizio is a guy from Brooklyn, so a guy, you know, um, have a kindred spirit in him. And uh, Will is uh, actually from Queens, uh, moved down here about 20 years ago. And they formed this comedy. They've traveled around doing comedy nationally. So they're well-connected with all the top comedians and, the, and on the, the comedy circuit. But they developed this comedy night at Lucali and at the Bay Club, which is really a glorified pizzeria. It's a very fancy pizzeria, or the best pizza, hands down, in, in Miami mm-hmm. at Lucali. But what they've done is... They've cultivated over the past two years this comedy show that's every other Monday night, and they get major comedians to go into a pizza joint to do stand-up comedy. And that's the running joke. You know, people are like, yeah, I had nothing better to do while I'm in Miami, so I'm going to do my stand-up act here. And they've had major, major na- names come through there who, you know, they're on the, the tour with Dave Chappelle or they've worked with Dave Chappelle, Carlos Mencia, you know, all the names of, you know, Chris Rock. You know, these are names that might not be household names, but when you look them up, you see their body of work and you say, wow, I mean, holy cow, these are big comedians that go and do stand-up in front of, you know, 30 to 50 people at a pizza joint. Mm-hmm. And it's really good. And, and the, the vibe or the feedback that we get from these comedians that are, are really well-known or have been, you know, been doing it professionally for, for a long time is that they like to go to small venues like that when they can really work on their – it's so intimate that they can work on their routines because they get the immediate feedback. You know, and while they're down here on vacation, they figure, well, why don't I just go do a quick set? And, uh, you know, and usually they say, you know, just give me 10 minutes, 45 minutes later, you know, they're, they're still up on stage with the microphone doing their, their set. Mm-hmm. So it's something that's really grown into something that's unique that now for the first time they went, they did it out at the Improv in Doral. So they had a couple of hundred people at the show. Um, there's even a, a comedy club or a comedy troupe here in the, in the Brickell area. Uh, it's called the MiamiComedy.com. And that's run by a, another friend of mine, Manny Garavito. So there's a void because we have everything else culturally wise here and entertainment wise, except for comedy. So now that we have the comedy club, the improv open out in Doral just opened a couple of months ago. And we've had these couple of different comedy troops have been really pushing it over the past couple of years. I'm expecting to see some big things comedy wise coming out of Miami. And I, and I could really see Comedy Central or Deaf Comedy Jam coming down here. You know, some of like the, the more established comedy names coming down here and reigniting the, the comedy scene and doing big shows and bringing down 
big headline comedians down here. Yeah, because I remember when we had the South Beach Comedy Festival, we'd get good crowds, and it wasn't just for to go see Dave Chappelle or Lewis Black or some of the big comedians. I mean, you'd have some of the smaller ones, and they'd be like in the Colony Theater on Lincoln Road, mm-hmm. and they'd get a good crowd. So I love that. Now, talking about comedy, we got to transition a little bit to one of our favorite shows, Seinfeld. Oh, I love Seinfeld. <laughs> I had shrinkage! I had shrinkage! <laughs> So I think Seinfeld pretty much addresses everything that you really need to address as a single person in life. Maybe not everything for the the family kids, but what's your favorite Seinfeld episode? I got to say the episodes with Keith Hernandez are are the best, right? With the magic loogie, right? Up into the back where they, you know, at the end of that that episode when they come in and Newman's talking about with the magic loogie with with Kramer and uh, they kind of reenact the Sapruta film from the JFK assassination. That episode, my all-time favorite, probably because I'm a Mets fan, but it was a, that was a great, great episode. It yeah, wasn't it Roger McDowell that ended up being the culprit for speeding? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah I mean, that was just classic. I mean, I, Seinfeld was such a genius show, and, and there's a lot of things that I didn't realize that I learned from Seinfeld that I'm applying to my production work now, because the thing that you see of Seinfeld is there was four main characters, and all four characters had their own storyline in the show, and the, so their storylines all started out together, in the beginning of the show, and then they all ended together, but then they were completely separate through the entire show, right? Well, I'm wrecking the place here. That's the beauty of, of Seinfeld and the comedy is that each and every character on there, George, Kramer, you know, Julie Louise Dreyfus. Yeah, Lane. Yeah, Lane and, uh, and Seinfeld, they were hilarious in and of themselves. So they could carry, he could have just had a show just with Jerry with nobody else and just Jerry going and doing his day. Kind of like a Larry David type of thing, right? Mm-hmm. But when you bring all four of them together and they're all just, you know, George will put himself into the most hilarious, you know, situations and just embarrassing situations. The contest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> Kramer walks in, throws in, I'm out. Uh, oh my gosh. When I first moved into Icon Brickle, um, I had a neighbor and his name was Bob Kramer. And he looked a lot like the Cosmo Kramer character, and he wore, like, the flowery shirts. He didn't have the banana shirts. He'd come over to my place, and he'd just, like, slide in. And I had it locked one time, and he banged in the door. He's like, why are you keeping it locked? I was like, I don't want strangers coming in. And so he was like, well, it's just me. And so I had to leave it unlocked, and he'd come in, and he'd go straight to the refrigerator, and he'd, he'd be like... You're out of soda. You're out of soda. I'm like, well, I don't drink soda. He's like, well, I do. Well, you know, you got to keep this installed and all that. But oh, geez. Um, so he was like really taking his namesake to heart. He just really lived that that namesake, no? Yeah, it was interesting. I had to install a pole in his living room and the bedroom for some of his parties, and I was like, I don't think I want to go into those parties. But kind of hey a wild now. guy. Hey now, okay, wait. Well, it's Miami. Anything goes. You know, it only happens in Miami. I love Seinfeld. I think, um, for me, the favorite episode was the contest. I also loved when uh, Terry Hatcher was on there, and she was going out with uh, Jerry, and uh, the issue was whether they were real or not, and they turned out to be real and spectacular. Spectacular, yes. I like the one, what was the episode when he forgot the girl's name? Dolores! You know? Yeah, they're calling her Malva. Yeah. (laughs) So so what's your favorite episode, Seinfeld episode? I'd have to say the contest. Okay. I think... That would be number one. Number two, I'd do Real and Spectacular with Terry Hatcher. Mm-hmm. Gosh, there were so many good ones. I mean, the Soup Nazi was so good. I, yeah. 
I love the episode when um, Kramer got the license plate and it said Ass Man yeah, on there. That was great. And he had a scene where he pulled in and he pulled into the doctor's office and it said, and he went up to the, the security guy and said, Cosmo Kramer, proctology. <laughs> no, that was, that actually became part of our culture, you know, because there are so many things that were said or so many situations that were on that show that really have just, you know, you could be walking down the street and a stranger can say something and you'll answer them back without even realizing that you're answering them back that you don't know this person, but they just said something that just reminds you of Seinfeld and you just, it's automatic. You, it's involuntary response and then you, you're repeating a line from Seinfeld, you know? It's not you, it's me. <laughs> now, there are so many great lines. Gosh, I mean, you got the sponge where the episode was funny. Mm-hmm. I love Newman. I thought Newman was great. In that character, and so um, Uncle Leo, yeah. he'd be like, "Jerry, hello." <laughs> what about the grandma when he when he when he cashed all the, the grandma's checks and and the account was closed or something? That was great. And then Uncle Leo was like, "What did you tell me you needed money?" It was so. You gross. had the parents, Mr. and Mrs. Seinfeld, and Festivus, yeah. and you had uh, Mr. and Mrs. Seinfeld, and that well, episode. Now what's crazy is now you go on Facebook and on De- December twenty first or twenty second, everybody's saying Happy Festivus. Everybody, there's people that actually. Buy a Festivus pole, and they put a Festivus pole inside of their house to celebrate Festivus for the rest of us. Yeah. Is there such a great show? I mean, we could talk about Seinfeld for days, not just hours, days. Such a great show, and um, you know, I've seen Jerry Seinfeld a few times. He's really great in comedy. So, next question. What's your favorite Chris Farley movie? Oh, man. I think Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy because Brian Dennehy went to my high school. Really? I remember Brian Dennehy. He came and he did a... Uh, like he spoke to the to the student body when I was a junior in high school, and it was just, you know this is kind of uh, after the, the Rambo's and everything, you know he kind of just told us all that we could do whatever we want to do and you know don't let anything ever stop you and I've kind of adopted that motto. So anything that Brian Dennehy has ever been in, I've I've just always automatically liked. You know yeah. he's likable. No, I, I love Tommy Boy. That's my favorite one too. All right, now I got to ask you about a very very special comedian who my bulldog is named after. What's your favorite Rodney Dangerfield movie? Yeah, I got to say, was it Back to School? Yes. The scene yes. Back to School, when he rips the college professor apart about how, you know, you got to you gotta account for all these extra costs and everything else. That was a great one. And then I think Sam Kinison. Sam Kinison was in there playing the history professor, and Rodney Dangerfield went off on him about the Vietnam War. And just the whole idea of him doing the triple Lindy and bouncing from, you know, diving board to diving board. I... That was that was just a, hey Rodney, Rodney agrees with that too. He heard us talking about Rodney Dangerfield and thought we were talking about him. I remember when he was trying to ask the woman out on the date, and she's like, he's like, well, "Why don't we go out to dinner sometime?" And she's like, "I can't. I have class." And he's like, "Well, why don't you give me a call sometime when you have no class?" <laughs> so, and as you know, Rodney the Bulldog is named after Rodney Dangerfield. Hey, uh, well, I think uh, this dog gets a little respect, if you know what I mean. Yeah. All right. What's a better college movie, Animal House, Revenge of the Nerds, or Old School? Oh, Old School, baby. You know what? We're going streaking! We're going streaking! Bring your friend with the green hat! I love all those movies. I mean, Old School was fantastic. I thought Will Ferrell was fabulous, as well as Luke Wilson, Jeremy Piven, and, of course, Vince Vaughn. I loved Animal House, though. But you know what? The thing about it is Animal House is 40 years old now. And so there are a lot of people that they don't think of it as much as the old school. But they're all great movies. All right. Next great uh, actor we're going to ask about. What's your favorite Bill Murray movie? Ooh, man. I would have to say Stripes. 
good answer because that's mine too. No way. Yes. Army training, sir. Like, that was great. Yeah. My favorite line from Stripes is when they're all there and like doing introductions and stuff with Warren Oates as Sergeant Hulka. Yeah. And he's like, all right. And he comes to Bill Murray. All right, Mr. Push-Ups, what's your story? And his line is, chicks dig me because I rarely wear underwear. When I do. And when I do, it's <laughs> usually rather interesting. <laughs> I've actually used that line quite a few times. <laughs> Did it work? Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, the, the other, one of, one of my favorite scenes in that is when he does the Antrimima treatment. Yes. And I've done that so many times. You want the Antrimima treatment? And people are like, what the hell are you talking about, the Antrimima treatment? Like, anytime I put the, the spatula in my hand, I'm asking, like when I had kids and I'll make them breakfast, I'm like, you want the Antrimima treatment? And they would be like, yeah, I want syrup. I don't know. You know? <laughs> of course, John Candy was great in that movie uh, as Ox, and yeah. uh, I, I just love him. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Candy was an absolute comedic legend. Uh, thank you, Rodney. You know, just that movie had had so many good people in it. It was, I think, it was one of the first R-rated films I actually saw. Yeah, you know, it may have been with me too. And uh, they actually filmed that in Louisville. They're no kidding. Yeah. Oh wow! Even the scene, the Czechoslovakia scenes, I filmed in Louisville. I think it was at Fort Knox. Okay, okay, yeah. so right there, yeah. So, well, great movie. I mean, of course, a lot of people with Bill Murray, they say Ghostbusters is their favorite, or what about Bob? Uh, a lot of great Bill Murray movies, so definitely check out Stripes if you haven't seen it. All right, a little bit of a twist here. What's your favorite Patrick Swayze movie? Oh, Dirty Dancing. Come on. Oh, well, I don't know. Dirty Dancing or The Outsiders? I love both of them, love Outsiders. Uh-huh. And also one that's getting some votes here is Roadhouse. Oh, yeah, I'm the cooler. What, what does that mean? When things get hot, I cool it down. No, he is a great actor, one of my favorites. All right, so what's your f- three favorite movies not starring Farley, Dangerfield, Murray, or Swayze? Top Gun. Let me think. Top Gun with a bullet. Probably Goodfellas, only because Goodfellas was filmed in my neighborhood, and it's a, like a lot of how I grew up is from Goodfellas. I, probably Saving Private Ryan. That's a really good movie. I haven't seen that one in a while. Uh, Saving Private Ryan is one of those movies that – you know, you could be on your way out the door to go get, you know, like life-saving surgery. And, you know, you, you go to turn off the TV and all of a sudden you look at the TV and save a private Ryan's on. You, you sit down three hours later. You put off your life-saving surgery and three hours later you're sitting there finishing Top Gun, you know, wondering why, why did, you know, why did Tom Hanks have to die? You know, why did Captain Miller have to die? Yeah. You know, and Tom Hanks is a really interesting actor because he got his start in comedy mm-hmm. and he transitioned into a serious actor with Forrest Gump and then it led on to like Philadelphia and other movies. And it's pretty remarkable to have a career in those two different types of uh, genres. Some of the best actors, I think, are, you know, comedians because they know, as part of comedy, you have to know all about timing. You have to know how to give the person that you're in the scene with, how to give them their time, you know, not to jump over them, how to give when you deliver a line or when the other person that you're in the scene with, you have to give them time to let their lines breathe, we call it, right? Breathe and let the audience or let the viewer digest that. But, like, Robin Williams was phenomenal. And he was an amazing comedian, very, you know, very sad how his life ended. But, you know, he was an amazing, you know, you see him in Goodwill Hunting. The drama and just the depth of the character that he developed, you know, and looking back on it, now you look at it and you say, wow, there's probably a lot that he was pulling from really inside of his soul when he acted that part because it was – there was a couple of moments where he had just very, very light comedy in the, in the scenes he did with Matt Damon, but it was just very, very, very deep drama and psychology that you know came out in that scene. And you know, I think comedians do make really good actors. 
Yeah, one of my favorite comedians is uh, was John Belushi, and of course he was known as this wild man on Saturday Night Live, the wild man on Animal House, the semi-wild man on the Blues Brothers. And the thing about it is, is he tried to do a serious role in a movie called, gosh, Continental Divide. Yeah. yeah. And it got really good ratings, but it didn't wasn't a big box office draw because people wanted to see John Belushi as this wild and crazy guy. Yeah. And he wasn't able to make that transition. He was desperately trying to do that. And, of course, we lost him in 82. Yeah. So, all right, going to transition into a definitely Miami question. Go ahead. What is the definitely more Miami TV show, Miami Vice or the Golden Girls? Miami Vice. That's where the name Definitely Miami comes from uh, one of the episodes in season four with Ted Nugent, believe it or not, was in the episode. So the episode was named Definitely Miami. And there's a scene in that where Ted Nugent is at a hotel on uh, like 30th and Collins, which has been torn down and rebuilt as one of the Fahina projects. And he walks out onto the balcony in a pair of like linen pajama pants or whatever. No shirt. It's long rocker hair, you know, blowing in the wind. And he just kind of... Walks out onto the balcony, looks out, and goes, it's definitely Miami. And turns out, walks back in, scene, boom, cut the commercial. One of the greatest scenes in all of Miami Vice history. Wow, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. See? See, that's what happens. When you hang out with Ronnie G, you always come away enlightened and a smarter person for it. Mm -hmm. Definitely a thousand percent. So, all right, let's talk some music here. What are your three favorite bands? Dave Matthews Band. I grew up in the 80s, so probably... Motley Crue, and then I'm a huge Run DMC fan. So I don't know if you consider them a band. They're more of a group. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I love Run DMC, man. I love them. Yeah. You know, and when you get into the music scene in Miami, I mean, it's a lot of hip-hop and, mm-hmm. of course, the DJ, electronics. Yeah. So what are some cool music places for people in Miami to check out? Just about anywhere, you know. I mean, most of the hotel pools have really good DJs. Believe it or not, I don't go out a lot late at night. You know, I go out, I'll do the walkthrough, and then I'm back home by 11 o'clock and in bed because I wake up early in the morning. No, I mean, just just about everywhere you can go check out some really good music. Segafredo is probably one of the places where they you never really know who's DJing. You could have people DJing that are more like trance-type DJs, or you could have people that are playing music there that are just playing like more like hip-hop or like, you know, club-type music. So Segafredo on Lincoln Road, right next to the Colony Theater. You can go there probably from any time from 5 until about midnight, 1 o'clock, have a couple of drinks, have some food, and have a really good meal and a sandwich, and uh, listen to some good music. Yeah. So, all right, a little bit of basketball here. I know you grew up in uh, Big East territory. You're a St. John's guy. Uh-huh. Give me your top two St. John's basketball players. Chris Mullen. Mm-hmm. Definitely Chris Mullen and Mark Jackson. Yep. That's what I figured you were going to say. Yeah. You know, growing up and watching those big – because I grew up in the 80s watching the Kentucky Wildcats, so we had like Kenny Walker, Sam Bowie, Rex Chapman, Melvin Turpin. But Big East basketball was such a big thing. And with Patrick Ewing and Mullen, I mean, it was just an awesome, awesome thing. So uh, what was it like for you growing up there? Uh, well, I went to St. John's. So I went to St. John's. They weren't – in the early 90s, they weren't that good in basketball. They still went to the dance a couple of times when I was there. But – it was just, to me, it was amazing because these are guys that were from my neighborhoods that were there playing ball at St. John's. These were guys, you know, I'd go to the mall or I'd go out and you'd see them out and about. And then you'd see them on the back page of the Daily News or the New York Post. Or you'd see them on the, the news at night. You know, ESPN was just pretty new at that time. But you would see them all over the news and all over the, the newspaper. And then you'd see them on, you know, like the Game of the Week on Saturday. To me, it was mind-blowing, you know, to see that like, this guy's somebody I know and and that's why I became, you know, like a huge St. John's fan. And, and then, of course, at that time, the Big East was, they were 
awesome. You know, you had Georgetown, you had Providence, you had St. John's, Villanova, Villanova. and uh, you know, you had uh, you know Raleigh, who was a coach at, at Villanova, and he had really strong ties to Long Island, and a lot of players from Long Island, from my neighborhood on Long Island, were going to Villanova. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys, in fact, um, who's coach of Villanova now, Jay Wright. Yep. Yeah. So he went to my high school too. Um, he went and played, you know, so so there's just a big pipeline of players that came through like the Catholic high schools in Long Island that went and played at St. John's and Villanova and Georgetown and what's the school up in, um, it's, forget, it's up in Rhode Island, Big East school, basketball school. Seen all? No, that's in New Jersey, Providence. Oh, Providence. Providence, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and you know, uh, with Kentucky, uh, we, we had our big turnaround. We got a Northeastern guy to come to Kentucky and Jamal Mashburn, and he was the recruit that turned the program around. He was just, you know, a, a great player and... I've had a chance to meet him in Miami. He's actually on the podcast. Really oh, cool. cool guy. Yeah. So, um, you know, Big East basketball in the, the Northeast has always been pretty hot. All right, two more questions for you because I know you're living the dream. But if you could have lunch with three people other than Rodney and me and your immediate family, who would you pick? So not to get political, but I'd have to say Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Now, Donald Trump I've met. I've hung out with a couple of times. But I never, like, sat down and had, like, a meal with him and talked because I think – there's a lot that's said about him and a lot that he says about himself that kind of puts himself in a bad light, right? But there's a lot that happens when you sit down and you break bread with somebody. When you sit down across from a table, that's why people on first dates are like go to dinner because when you have food, food takes you back to that place where you're comfortable around your dinner table and you can just be yourself, right? Mm. So I would love to have a, a dinner with him or a lunch with him and be able to just you know, have that food and kind of br- have him break down that wall no pun intended, and just really like get to know him a little bit more. I mean, he's from my neighborhood. He grew up less than 10 minutes away from me. So he would definitely be one of them. I think probably somebody in entertainment. I mean, I, I just can't think of anybody that is just that pressing. I think more people want to sit down and have lunch or dinner with me than I want to sit down and have lunch and dinner with them. Well, you know, that's a very fair point. I mean, I... I need to be on the list. <laughs> you're on the list. You, listen, you're the one that goes out to dinner and doesn't call me, you know? I know. I've been a bad friend. I've been a bad friend. <laughs> what else you got? All right, final question. If you could pick anyone to play you in a movie, who would you pick? So I'm thinking like Matt Damon, Tom Cruise. And it can be someone that's passed away as well. Oh, well, Swayze. Swayze was a great character actor, you know, and but he always played like the tough guy that had, like, kind of like me. They have that tough guy demeanor, but inside they're really like, you know, good guys, or really, you know, really sweet guys. So I think Swayze... Well, you know, he was the sexiest man alive in 1991 People magazine. That's a very random fact for you to spit out here on the podcast. Well, I, I know about all that stuff just because growing up, my mom always had the subscriptions for People magazine. Okay. And so I've been reading People magazine all my life. But I, I was a big Patrick Swayze fan. I really liked um, the whole crew from Outsiders. You had Matt Dillon, Rob Lowe, Tom Cruise in there. So I always followed those guys. But, you know, you know I, I think somebody that, that could play me if they made a movie or a TV show about me would be not the Dylan brother, not not the good-looking Dylan, the other one that was on Entourage. What's his name? Kevin Dylan. Kevin Dylan. I think Kevin Dylan, because there's a lot of like what he does that you know. I'm like, ah, that's something I do. Yeah, yeah. you know. So I think he'd, he'd be somebody good to play me. Wouldn't be, wouldn't have to go too far outside of his of his actual true character to play me. Swayze, yeah, I think you know Swayze could definitely pull it off. See, if I was a casting director, the person that I would pick to play you would be Robin Williams, and the reason why I say that is because Robin Williams, I I got to meet him one time, full of energy, I mean, a genius when it comes to comedy, can think on his feet fast, which you obviously do, just a ball of energy and entertainment, 
always had something interesting to say. And he was just a very bright, well-spoken person, and he could do anything he put his mind to. And I think of you in that category because, like you said, you've been in the mortgage business for a long time. You're doing TV now. You've done this and that, and you've always succeeded. You've always been a good quality person. And I think you're living the dream, and that's why I asked you to be on that show, and that's why I'm glad to have you as one of my friends. Hey, man, I'm, I'm more than happy to be on the podcast. I'm flattered that you brought me on. This has been probably the best hour that I've spent this weekend, and I spent this weekend with some pretty cool people already. No, I just, listen, anytime that you get to sit down with somebody like yourself and uh, just kind of shoot the breeze and talk about some relevant, popular topics and somehow or another working Patrick Swayze and Seinfeld in the, in the same hour. Winning! Hello! Hashtag winning. That's my life. Yeah, well, listen, you're living, you are living the dream, my friend. <laughs> Not just Ronnie G living the dream. This is, you know, Ben Wilson definitely living the dream. So in closing, um, just tell the audience again how they can follow you on social media so they can be in, in the loop for all your TV shows and all the great things you have going on. Oh, hell yeah. Listen, just uh, at Vibes and Views Miami or at Ronnie GTV on Instagram. Facebook, just go to Definitely Miami and you'll find me on, on Facebook. And then you could also go to my webpage, www.definitelymiami.tv for Ronnie G. And the other thing, too, if you're a business owner in Miami and you want your business to be featured by a local who actually gets an appeal out to the locals, contact Ronnie because, number one, he's reliable, he's a good guy, and he's going to give you a good product. So definitely reach out to him. Well, Ronnie, I really appreciate you coming on. I know we took a little longer than we thought, but, hey, you know, when we get together, the conversation just flows. There's two things that people always say about Ronnie and Ben. I don't know. People that are in our circle that know us, you know what they say? They say that we are the two of the guys that just talk forever and ever and ever. So putting us with a microphone between us was only a natural thing to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ronnie, thanks again. And we've had a, another great episode of Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. We're with Ronnie G, and we've been living the dream. So have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode. Find us online at benandrodney.com and follow us on Instagram at benwilsonmiami.com.